Welcome to the Dial Up Boys podcast. I'm John Alditz, and joining me, as always, is Owen Poole. Owen, how are you doing? I am doing quite well. It is officially winter where I live. It's real cold, but uh, I'm staying warm. I feel like, though, neither of us can bitch about the cold quite like our guest probably can. Uh, Hailing all the way from... Uh, Denmark is a man who I have known for several years and who I admire his ability to draw cartoon characters way better than I ever could. Uh, (laughs) Joining us is fiction addiction himself, Esh. How are you doing, Esh? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. And yes, it is cold here. Thank you. But uh, I think you might have my country mistaken for the coldest parts of Norway or something. We're not like in an ice age over here. I mean, that's true, but you're still like... I believe longitudinally. Oh yeah, oh, no, I absolutely. Wait, yeah. is longitudinal the? I have no idea, but it's, it's definitely it latitude. I believe. Okay, you're still you're more north than we are. Absolutely, so absolutely. It's probably still colder. Well, if you look if you look at the map, pretty much every major European city is further north than most <laughs> yeah. American cities, and it's just a. Uh, quirk of how weather works that most of those cities are not freezing cold all the time pretty much but anyways uh, talking about the weather <laughs> <laughs> so this week we are talking about childhood cartoons which should be kind yes. of interesting because while owen and i grew up in the united states uh ash obviously did not so yeah. i'm expecting that while we'll probably have some childhood cartoons in common or at least we will we'll have, have- viewed some of them i kind of half expect ash to have a couple that are well yeah unknown to us but yes we're just gonna be talking about cartoons that we watched when we were younger shows we watched when we were younger that were like mm-hmm. part of our formative years ash go ahead and tell us about the first cartoon that you want to talk about the first one i want to talk about well i mean you talked about how i probably we probably have a bit of overlap because we did get a lot of those american cartoons obviously and most of them are the more popular ones but naturally, we also got a bunch from all over Europe and especially Britain, uh, even a couple Australian ones. So if we're going to talk about something that's, that I think most Scandinavian kids watched when I was growing up in the 90s, it would probably be the Moomins, who you might have seen online once or twice. The Moomins? I am familiar with the Moomins. These little, no? they're like little, these little hippo the guys doesn't say anything are really, to really cute, right? What the fuck is a Oh Moomin? my god, these hit. Okay, so... The, the short version is there are books written by this Finnish woman named Tove Jansson uh, back in the late 40s, I think. And it's about this group of, they're called Moomin Trolls, but they look more like white hippos, basically, on their hind legs. And they just live in the Moomin Valley. Um, and they, they go on nice little adventures. It's very cool. There's been a lot of, of adaptations of them. But in the 90s, there was an anime based on it that was all over Scandinavian TV. And it was um, it, w- it was very sweet, but also very, very dour in places. Like, there was always some kind of melancholic feeling to some of their adventures. You might have seen some of it if you go on Twitter. You've seen pictures of, like, this guy in a, in a green hat and coat and a big pointy nose. That's Snufkin. He's from that show. I feel like that perfectly describes, like, 90s cartoons just in general. Is that they were all, like, sweet and lovely, but there was always, like, this dark underpinning. Well, this one, all of them? well, true, but this one probably more than most because it's like it's not trying to be dark. It's just kind of a consequence of when they were written. They were written shortly after the war, I think. 
Mm. Um, and just, you know, they're written in cold areas. Um, and I can definitely tell you there was one thing about the show that scared every kid in Scandinavia back in the day. Um, there was a monster called the Grok in it, which is basically winter depression as a person. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. <laughs> it's this... It's this scary-ass, giant, ghost-looking thing with a huge nose, and everywhere it goes, just ice spreads around it. And all it wants is to find warmth. That, Try looking up the gro- the Groke or something, and you'll you'll see. That sounds horrific. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, actu- I'm actually looking at a uh, uh, a character drawing of, like, the main cast of Moomins, and I think yeah. I see it. They, they, these things, they look like weird, like, albino hippos. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um I'm just saying this was like a, a Scandinavian thing, very much a Scandinavian thing. They're, st- they're still very popular, the characters. Um, they have a lot of movies where they're made of felt. I think that was a thing in the 70s too. But hmm. uh, the 90s anime is one I grew up with. So that's one example of something you probably haven't seen. <laughs> yeah, I've never actually seen any like animated uh, works of the of the Moomins, but I'm actually familiar with them because my old roommate back in the day, his dad is like fully from finland and oh so yeah he watched the moomins growing up and we actually had like a moomin poster in our apartment and some okay. posters um i didn't realize how dark it was because they looked it's, so freaking adorable and i just want to like give them one a big hug yeah they're, they're very sweet looking but the show is really is very dark i mean it's it's just you know fancy ass adventures and sometimes it's very sweet but there's also a story where they meet a girl who has so low self-esteem she's literally turned invisible and the only way for her to become visible again is to start loving herself that is that's, that's a really I, nice story actually that sounds that that's uh that's at least kids become should happier know. yeah I, I definitely it's, feel like shit like that. <laughs> that's that's kind of thing. As I was saying about like '90s cartoons in general, like they're all kind of dark, and they they mm. teach lessons in like very symbolic ways. But they're it's like symbolic in ways that children are able to kind of understand what they're saying. Mm. Um, yeah. Whereas today, it seems like a lot more cartoons, at least the ones that are aimed for little little kids, seem to be a little bit more up front with what they're trying to tell kids well i mean it depends on how little the kids you're talking to are you know um, well, i mean i look at something like bluey and oh yeah you know bluey well, is this was def- very straightforward <laughs> this was definitely for the slightly slightly older kids than bluey i think bluey is more for the toddler crowd <laughs> yeah i think the 90s cartoons they have a certain edge to them and that kind of that kind they of do segues me into the first cartoon that i want to talk about which actually i feel Mm. like you are going to have something to say ash and maybe you as well owen uh let's talk about gargoyles oh (laughs) i've actually never seen i've actually never seen the full thing but i'm watching it recently so i'm like uh a third into season two well this this was a show that i would watch every morning before school it was like Mm. for for several years there in the morning on Disney Channel, it would be there was an episode of Gargoyles, and then there was an episode of Goof Troop. And so oh. I would watch Gargoyles, I'd watch Goof Troop, and then I would get on the bus and go to school. Uh, so that's why I think those two cartoons for me personally are very formative shows. I love how I love how incredibly like on each side of the spectrum those two examples. Oh yeah, are. no, they they do not make any sense together at all. <laughs> that's uh, amazing. But Gargoyles being this 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 very dark action heavy mm. series, uh, and then Goof Troop being I mean it's goofy, 
doing goofy it's things. Goof. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, Gargoyles, Gargoyles is actually seeing a bit of a, a, a resurgence. Yes. L- like lately, like the, we're supposed to be getting, what is it? Like a live action film or something like that. I think I heard that. Um, th- there's definitely comics going on right now. Yeah. I see, I see Greg Weisman tweeting all the freaking time, um, about Gargoyles and, and stuff. Oh, and do you know so, what Gargoyles is? Oh yeah. I remember seeing Gargoyles. I, had a i think my formative cartoon years were slightly different than yours because i didn't have cable or anything or yeah. satellite it was just completely mm. over the air so i n- never what? remember seeing much of the show itself but i do remember having the movie when it came out um, oh yeah that's right yeah yeah hmm. and it came with like a, a uh, like a board game that you could play as well, which is kind of cool. I mean, I think the thing everyone remembers most about Gargoyles is um, it was pretty much everyone's um, you know introduction to to uh, beloved Keith David as a voice oh, yeah. actor. Oh yeah, because without yeah. him as the voice of Goliath, then I feel like the show would not be as popular as it was. It definitely does a lot to add to it. At least, like the voice cast is amazing in general. Um, Ed Asner as what is he? I believe he's Hudson. Yeah. Um, that's, that's definitely also a very, very high tier casting choice. I feel like, like and that's the there. thing is that bringing back gargoyles, like if they do like a live action, uh, which actually, now that I think about it, we talked about the gargoyles film on collider dailies. And I think I basically said this when we were talking about it, that without the cast, I don't know how successful it's going to be. Uh, well, like if you're if you're gonna do if you're gonna do a live action gargoyles, first of all, make the gargoyles fully CG. Don't do like men mm. in suits, just so that you can have Keith David at the very least voice Goliath. Mm. That's just I mean I think that without him it doesn't work. It's kind of like if, it, it's kind of like to me the Venom movies aren't the same because Tony Todd isn't voicing Venom. <laughs> well they're also not the same because they're weird as hell well i mean there's also that but uh which actually that's that's another one that i watched quite a bit the 90s spider-man cartoon yes yeah yes. that was big oh for me as God. well yeah yeah um i, f- I, I feel mean, you know, i i feel like growing up you were either a batman the animated series per- kid or you were a 90s spider-man kid I mean, I watched both, but um, well, you know, you John, that's, that's, I'm so special. <laughs> but I, I, the thing is that I was like, when, when Batman, the animated series dropped and when it was on air, I was like four or five. So all the stuff we praised Batman, the animated series for nowadays obviously flew over my head. Yeah. But Spider-Man was more on like a level where five-year-old me could, could you know, enjoy it. Um, if you watch it now as an adult, the pacing is freaking weird. Um, the voice direction is really strange. It's 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 not as good as you remember it, but still very formative. You know, it has it's absolutely still what comes to mind when I think Spider Man. It has one the of show. the most badass intros of all time. Oh yeah, that oh absolutely weird techno like radioactive Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Like it's just so radioactive Spider Man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Good that stuff. that show introduced me to so many Marvel characters who like 
are now just stuck in my head forever as like Spider-Man mm. characters. Cause like the show, the show introduced me to Dr. Strange. Cause he was in an episode. It introduced me to Blade. Oh, yeah. Cause Blade was on a couple episodes. Freaking Punisher was in it. Punisher was in it. There were so many, like you look back at that and you're like, that was the original MCU. Cause that show mm. had crossovers with like every, like Iron Man was in it. Uh, which actually at the time, Iron Man, Iron Man had a show. Oh, um, a very I, I actually um, animated show. Oh, I, I actually, about a year ago, I watched all the other MCU, uh, not MCU, Marvel cartoons from the 90s. So she, so Hulk and uh, Iron Man. Boy, the first Iron Man season is not good. You could probably trace a direct line from these formative 90s cartoons of superheroes like Batman, like X-Men. That was a big one for me. Oh, Everyone, yeah. Speaking of awesome intros, everyone remembers the X-Men intro. Um, so much so that they're still using that musical cue. Oh yeah, it's. I mean, the theater's reaction in uh, in Multiverse of Madness when you actually hear it, yeah, right before Xavier comes in. <laughs> and I mean, even that, like that little musical cue, means so much to so many people. Like, mm-hmm. does the MCU exist as we know it without us having watched these cartoons in the '90s? Probably not. That is not a, as we know it. No, that is a good question. Uh, because, like, the thing is, is that a lot of people credit. Like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies and the early Fox X-Men movies with like popularizing Mm. superhero media enough that it was able to pave the way for the MCU. But that is a valid question of like how much how much of it would exist today if it wasn't for Spider-Man or X-Men or any of X-Men, sorry, X-Men, any of these other, you know, 90s cartoons. Um, yeah, I mean, do we get the the Fox X Men original, which came out, I think, in two thousand and one? Two thousand. If we don't have two thousand, yeah, the nineties X Men show that everyone loves so much. I mean, it's it's a good question. I th- I think definitely the people who wrote the movies would have written them anyway, um, because you know they grew up with a certain era of the comics. Possibly. I don't know. Somebody asked David Hayter. <laughs> true but it's also like maybe from a producer standpoint they wouldn't actually have been greenlit if it hadn't been for successful cartoons and david Hayter's is very responsive on twitter so he might actually answer you <laughs> let, me, let me tweet at him and let me ask uh yo david <laughs> yo david you want to dave you want to come on the show and talk about x-men we we promise we'll only talk to you about mgs for like half the episode uh <laughs> but yeah no it was uh, both of those cartoons i think x-men and spider-man uh Mm. were for me sort of the beginning the genesis of my love for superheroes largely come down Mm. to those two shows and and why those two characters i guess uh spider-man and the x-men are among like the ones that i hold the dearest um well i mean you know that spider-man is like my favorite superhero because of the show yeah. Um it was it was like the first show that I you know watched religiously not just oh it's on I'm going to sit down no I had to turn on the the TV on Saturday mornings because Spider-Man was on and I was actually paying attention to the story and for as much as I just talked about how you know weird it is now how weird the pacing and the writing is and it is let's be real it was also very ambitious and it's definitely what told me that superhero stories can be slightly more advanced than punching the bad guy in the head. Did you ever watch the sequel series? Spider-Man you Unlimited? Mean Unlimited? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, it's that's really a shame. Uh, uh, well, it's, 
I don't know if you would call it a sequel series exactly. Uh, it, it's a it, little muddled. It like the first episode at the very least is a sequel because yeah. it like directly references stuff. It's kind of like show. um, it's kind of like their answer to Batman Beyond. Just well, way that's worse. exactly what it was. <laughs> Going back and rewatching that show after Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three is a trip though, because it's it takes oh. place on Counter Earth and the main villain of the entire show is the High Evolutionary. So yeah. it's like it's really weird to go back and watch that now and having seen like the MCU and in- interpretation of the character. And in the cartoon he's like an an Arthurian king with a spiked collar and all sorts yeah, of weird so shit. Weird. That show very much feels like a show where it was like they had this other idea for a show and they like slightly tweaked it and put Spider-Man in it. There's a lot of stories about that. Some people say it was supposed to be a 2099 zero at first. And they didn't do that, the that because they didn't want they didn't think people would care about Miguel Miguel O'Hara. Nowadays, um, I think that after oh now they absolutely Spider Verse twenty ninety nine could carry its own. There's also a story that Matt, I, who was it that sold the toys from this cartoons Mattel probably um, uh, that or Bandai I th- something like that. There's a story that they that Marvel like gave them a list them and Fox a list of characters they had to use for the cartoon. Because they were trying to sell more toys of these characters, I have no idea. These are just rumors I've read. Fun time. So it's it's a weird thing in general, but yeah, Unlimited is a weird show and only lasted thirteen episodes for a reason. The art style is great though, <laughs> I, and I like the suit, the Spider-Man Unlimited yeah. suit. We should get that. The art in, style is fantastic. Spider-Man Three, whenever that comes out on the. Yes, hey, it's in Spider-Man seven. Two Enter Electro, man. I got. <laughs> I got forgot about that. <laughs> that damn game uh <laughs> moving away from superhero shows oh right. hit me with a hit me with a cartoon or a or a kid show just in general whatever you want to talk about uh that you watched as a kid growing up well i think in terms of you know so- something that was on in the morning your classic you know before school cartoon or saturday morning cartoon the thing that i probably watched the most as a kid was pokemon oh, oh yeah. yeah so much pokemon it was on every single morning before school, and my sister hated me for watching it every single morning because, you know, you get your little your little Team Rocket spiel every single episode, and it gets kind of cringy after a while. Yeah, that was probably my number one thing, and it was so exciting for me to watch it as a kid because we played the games. Like, that was something we did all the time mm-hmm. growing up when we were in, in yeah. grade school. And so being able to see you know, my favorite Pokemon from the game actually be animated on screen was just like a really cool experience. And it was one of the few things I actually had over the, over the air in the mornings for me to watch. Mm. I remember battling you all the time, Pokemon yellow. And like, I just could not beat your Pikachu like at all. <laughs> cause you're, you're cause you, cause when we played yellow, you actually used Pikachu. I put my Pikachu in the box like almost immediately, but I had my <laughs> you have no soul. Well, well, because <laughs> because Pikachu, what wound up happening was I was like, I'm gonna use Pikachu, little like nine year old me or however the hell old I was. Um, yeah, yeah. was like I'm gonna use Pikachu because I like Pikachu, but then Brock was just such a brick wall standing in front of yeah, us. and so I got a Butterfree, and the Butterfree beat brock and then it just snowballed so hard 
that I was yeah. like, okay, well, I guess Butterfree is my starter. Bye, Pikachu. I don't need you. Because <laughs> no, I, that's, that's I, can't, exactly. I can't evolve you into Raichu, the far superior Pokemon. Uh, so, <laughs> Not in that, that episode exactly of the show. <laughs> that's an odd... I, I have beef with the Pokemon animated series for that reason, because I'm like, I feel bad for Raichu because Raichu is so goddamn forgotten by everybody because of that oh, yeah. fucking that fucking little pudgy yellow bastard <laughs> had to take all of the attention away from the far yeah. superior version of itself. Well, that was um <laughs> one of the few times that the show that I remember, I'm sure it happened a lot, but that was one of the few times that the show was like directly referencing a game mechanic because the yeah, idea, the whole, the only reason Pikachu was able to win was because he didn't evolve and learned different moves that, yes. that Lieutenant Surge's Raichu didn't learn because he evolved he him learn- super, super fast. It was agility. Did he beat him with agi- Yeah, it was agility. Yeah, agility. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Man, what with Butterfree there, that's exactly the experience I had too. Like, well, Brock is fucking invincible. What do I do? <laughs> Oh, I'm going to spend seven hours evolving a goddamn Metapod because the only place I can grind is that one patch of grass outside of Pewter City with nothing but Caterpies. Oh, my God. Even as, even as a kid, I was like, this is bullshit. <laughs> it's because you didn't think to, like, power up Pikachu with a water wheel and fill oh him with God. electricity like in the show. <laughs> and get him to zap the sprinklers to, yeah, like, Onyx. Right. That's not... Those oh, are some strats you don't get in the games. The show, yeah, that's nine year that's nine year old issues bad. I see how it is. Yeah, that's my fault. <laughs> the show is just so like so I didn't actually watch the show until I was an adult because like my parents uh my parents are patient people, but they aren't that patient. Um <laughs> so I didn't really ever like they wouldn't let me watch Pokemon. It wasn't that like they were like, This is inappropriate, it's just that they didn't want to watch it. So mm. Fair. We just didn't wind Very up fair. watching it. Uh, so I didn't watch it until college. Um, I think I watched like I watched the movies because I do remember. Um, right. I think the only time as a kid that I can remember my my just my mom and me going to a movie was I believe it was my birthday. My mom mm. uh, took me to see Pokemon the movie. Uh, the first one. And right on. so we watched that and then we went to Wankers in Wilsonville, Oregon, and I ate a club sandwich, which <laughs> I mean, anybody who knows me knows that I am a, a connoisseur of uh, club sandwiches and that that's kind of like the genesis of it. So my love of Pokemon is very much tied to my love of club sandwiches as well. That's a canon <laughs> event right there. You can't, that, you know, you can't that go is. back. Uh, wow. Well, you must love the latest Pokemon games, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you, you have to make sandwiches in uh, Scarlet Constantly. and Violet. Oh, God, Constantly. I haven't even thought to make a club sandwich in, in Scarlet and Violet yet. Maybe well, I'll get on to, that shit, man. I'll have to get on that. I don't Pokemon know if you was can, special because you can't put uh, a middle slice of bread. So No, po- Pokemon was special uh, in Denmark for a lot of reasons because like, that was like one of the, f- at least for my generation, that was one of the first time we kind of had any inkling of what anime was. Because, like, there were definitely a few anime shows before that. I remember, and this is definitely not appropriate for children, but I remember reading a few comics, a few Akira comics in the library. Uh, not appropriate for a nine-year-old, yeah, no. by the way. <laughs> but, you know, back then, comics were just all in the same pile. Nobody gave a shit. Yeah. Um, and there was stuff like Silver Fang, which is probably one you haven't heard of. It's, it's, a, it's a show about talking dogs, and they act like dogs. It's, it's dogs collecting an army of dogs to fight against bears. 
and it's just as violent as it fucking sounds. By that the way, sounds dope as hell. Yeah, it sounds dope. dope. <laughs> it's super dope. It's super dope. But it's like very. It's not very well known outside of Scandinavia. But my point is, those shows existed, but none of them had ever really made a point out of the fact that they were from Japan. Yeah. And Moomin, like I mentioned earlier, they didn't advertise it as being from Japan. So to to us in Denmark, like it was just another cartoon. But then Pokemon happened and Dragon Ball was released in manga form shortly after, Hmm. like a year or two after. And those two like really made it a point to say these are Japanese properties. And, you know, they released the manga in the correct reading direction, like like in Japanese. Yeah. So you had to read them from, from right to left. So... That was like the first time we really got an idea of what that was, and that really like made manga and anime culture happen. I remember. Well, and I feel I mean, like surely there were some before us that knew what it was, but this was like the boom. I feel over here in the West, like I'm not a big anime fan, so this wasn't necessarily like my experience, but uh, I know that a lot of people in our age group, the big three were were Sailor Moon, Dragon Ball, yes, and Pokemon. Like those were the three yes. things that got a lot of people. A lot of people nowadays who are kind of like on the weeb side of the spectrum, like that's where <laughs> that's where they got their their start uh, with anime mm. was because those three series were big here. Oh yeah, um, no, absolutely. And the, I don't think we ever had Sailor Moon actually, which is kind of surprising. I Sailor Moon to me, like growing up, was one of those things that I didn't watch because I was like, that's a girl show. Um, oh yeah and so like i had no interest in it now as an adult i have no interest in it just because there's like <laughs> nineteen thousand episodes and if i was trying to watch it i'd have to start and i wouldn't be done until i was like retirement age oh sweet <laughs> summer child try being a one piece fan there oh, that's yeah, the thing geez. i so when i was doing tiktoks for cbr i started a series where i was like hey you know i I read Western comics. I want to get into manga and I was going to like do a series where I was going to read. I was going to read manga that were like suggested by the audience. And I was going to get my thoughts. Oh boy. Here we go. Manga. And I specifically told them in the first episode, I was like, listen, send me your suggestions. Do not tell me one piece because I'm not (laughs) sitting through like a thousand plus like freaking issues of that it just isn't it's totally fair and the show i I know the show is also like insanely huge so it's like i'm just i'm just like not doing it so give me like something short contained it is totally fair man (laughs) that's why that's why even today the the only the only two anime series i have ever actually finished unless we count like the individual seasons of pokemon because they are kind of standalone as like different series um which i wouldn't but uh the only two that i've ever finished were witchblade the the witchblade anime adaptation which was like eight episodes right and season one of my dress up darling which was also like eight episodes so i have never heard of that one so it's 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 a very sweet very it is somehow both simultaneously exceptionally wholesome while also being over the top lewd and lascivious <laughs> because it sounds okay. like a lot of anime series actually well so the plot of this, oh i've seen i've seen this character at least yeah yeah okay marin modern however you say yeah. the name. so the the plot of the of the show is there's this guy goto who he lives with his grandpa 
And the only thing that he wants to do in his life is he wants to make these uh, these dolls, these Japanese dolls. I forget what they're called. Um, mm. But they're like very, very beautiful, very like very like artistic kind of things. Um, and so that's all he's ever wanted to do ever since he was a little kid. And so he has like certain skills, including sewing. And the popular girl in his school really wants to get into cosplay, but she doesn't know what the hell she's doing. She can't sew or whatever. So they team up and he starts making cosplay outfits for her. Um, and well, of then. course, and of course they like fall in love through the whole thing. Naturally. There's, there's the whole, like they, they both like each other, but they don't. It's, it's a sweet idea. It's a, it's very, very wholesome. But then there's like, you know, moments where, you know, Marin is sitting there in just her underwear and, she's bouncing around and it's of course it's ridiculous and when i feel bad telling people that i like that show because when i tell people that i like that show if they haven't watched it they assume that i want to watch it because there's you know hot chicken or underwear yeah because that's the way that it is like advertised stereotype yeah that's the stereotype isn't it but these are two of the most wholesome characters in fiction Right, because when you I'm hear sure. when you hear that plot synopsis as a Westerner, you expect the storyline to play out basically like she takes advantage of him and she's like kind of a bitch, but then she learns how to be a better person through knowing mm-hmm. him. But that's not at all what happens. At one point, his grandpa like breaks his back, and she winds up being like, "Bro, I'll cook for you," and like do all this stuff. And she's just like a genuinely wholesome person. Aw. And like, so there's no actual real conflict between them outside of the fact that they're idiots and won't tell each other how they feel. <laughs> That's very sweet. But it's, we got nothing. far away from the childhood yeah, that cartoon. That is not at all a childhood <laughs> cartoon. Because <laughs> this is like very recent, if I'm not wrong. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, that was, it's very recent. That was like 2020, I think. Um, well, yeah. back, to, uh, back to Sailor Moon really quick. I actually have seen some episodes of that fairly recently. And it's. Why were you watching Sailor Moon? Like uh, my ex-girlfriend was kind of tr- trying to get into it because she had never ah, seen it. Okay. And I just oh, kind of sure. Blame the ex. <laughs> <laughs> so I saw a couple episodes. Does, um, oh, and do you want to be Sailor Mercury? Is that what I'm – is that the vibe uh, I'm getting? I don't remember which one was which, if I'm being honest. Is Sailor Mercury um, the blue one? Yeah. Yeah. I also know people who are big Sailor Moon fans, so – I mean, I can I get the appeal. Like, it wasn't for me, but I could see why people enjoyed it. And that is one of the things about, I think, one of the reasons people are drawn to anime, especially here in the U.S., is that, like you said, the, the story generally doesn't go the way you think it does because we've been mm. so inundated with all of these, you know, Western story tropes. And when you get into anime from Japan, it's it just can there's I feel like there's a lot more, I don't know, creativity almost in the way the plots turn out. It's, well, it's definitely that, what attracted me to anime. So it's just that they have they have different storytelling traditions. So mm. like what is typical in their stories are not typical in ours and vice versa. Yeah. yeah. So you know, we expect stories to go a certain way, but they wouldn't expect it to go that way. So they're going to tell a story differently than we would. Exactly. And that's probably, honestly, if you watch some European produced cartoons, that's probably what you would experience too. Like some of them would probably go in directions you didn't expect either. We can actually go back. Um, Another very big thing that I'm sure you have heard of because you probably saw the live action movie that came out some years ago, 10 years ago. Tintin was enormous here. (laughs) Oh, that's, and, yeah, um, that's a that's a British 
thing, isn't it? No, no, it's French, uh, French. Belgian. Oh, okay. I believe, yeah, French Belgian. I forget which one, but okay. these are like comic albums from from way back. These are from like I think the thirties and forward. If Hercule Poirot taught me anything, we need to be very specific. If it's Belgian or French. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you, know, the, you you do not want to fuck that up. So I'm sitting here like, oh my. They'll come after I'm you. Gonna get, I'm yeah. going to get shot. I'm gonna say, get if shot Hercule tomorrow. Poirot has taught me anything, you need to know which one's which. <laughs> but yeah, no. Um, they're all drawn by this guy named Urshay, and they're exactly like you think from the Steven Spielberg movies. You know, we have this reporter guy and his... Um, it is Belgium, his, by the way. His friend. Yeah, it is Belgium. And his, uh, his friend, the sea captain, Captain Haddock, and they go on these adventures. And um, there was a, a big animated adaptation of that in the 90s just one season and it basically just adapted the albums the comic book albums in two-part stories so two episodes per album basically i do except for one album which thankfully they never animated because that would not have gone well (laughs) i have the i have a feel like i feel like the the cartoon came over here i never watched it but yeah but it might never have gotten big i knew because i remember i knew about tintin before the film yeah nobody but it was one of those things where i like classic here where i like didn't know where i knew it from yeah Um, i i feel like that happened with a lot of um with a lot of european especially french belgium french and belgium has like france and belgium i mean have like a huge tradition of comics that get really popular all over europe we can also mention lucky luke and asterix um which are huge in scandinavia you can find entire shops just with merch from those three things. Well, and I, so, re- I but, remember but they never really took off in America, as far as I know. I remember working comic book conventions and stuff for a store when I was in college, and yeah. we would occasionally have people come by asking for like those comics. Like Asterix was yeah. one that we got a lot, um, and we had a few long boxes of them. But yeah, it wasn't it wasn't very big over here, so we didn't have a lot of it. Um, because I just know that one of the reasons the Tintin movie failed, quotation marks, was that a lot of the American audiences just didn't know what the fuck they were watching. <laughs> it just seems like generic kids movie, forty. Yeah. You know? Well, they they were they were kind of kind of the same way that Indiana Jones was based on on movie serials and adventure stories. That's kind of what Tintin is. Yeah. So the tropes might have appeared tired to uh, to American viewers, but it's it's a huge thing here. What was it about that one series that they couldn't adapt it? They said it wouldn't go. Oh, well. um, I'm curious. Well, the series started in 1929. Um, at first, Urshay drew it for like a very conservative newspaper, I believe. And the very first story is called Tintin in the Congo. Oh, no. Oh, I'm sure you can imagine how respectful <laughs> certain depictions were. Oh, no. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> so <laughs> let's not do that one. Also, he kills like an awful lot of animals in it <laughs> in very brutal ways. <laughs> That sounds like a. That sounds like a, I, I've never actually watched this, but I watched a very, very long video explaining the whole like Kim of the White Lion and the Lion King. Yes, actually, yeah. not a ripoff if you look oh, at it yeah, objectively. And there's some rough stuff in there. There's there's some like very surface level comparisons that you can draw yeah. between the two, but. There's a lot of them. It's just surface level. As soon as you actually pay attention mm. to Kemba, it's not. Shout out to yourmoviesucks.com because it was his video and it's really, really good. <laughs> I would, I would watch. I should it. watch that sometime. Owen yeah. has, Owen has a. Uh, <laughs> with Owen, I know that if I'm going to send Owen a YouTube video, it needs to be one of two things. It either needs to be really short, 
so that he'll actually watch it or it needs to be like mm-hmm. seven hours long and be like an unnecessarily <laughs> deep dive into something that's my like, favorite thing halfway doesn't fucking matter that nobody else thinks no one. middle ground <laughs> but like it just needs to be like either really short or ridiculously long there's no ridiculously long youtube videos on random topics like that are my favorite thing in the world because if i send owen like a 15 minute long video he's not gonna watch it if i send him like a no. two minute long video owen will watch it if i send him like a fucking two hour long video owen will watch it <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think that kimba video is like three hours <laughs> yeah, it, it does sound it does sound fascinating actually. So here's here's something that I got to ask you Ash because you are sure. you know, your fiction addiction, you're known for specific things. Uh mm. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes. How much of that was a childhood thing and how much of that was when you were older? Uh it was definitely a childhood thing, but you know, the cartoon came out a little before I was born, 87. Yeah. And I don't think we actually ever aired, like, everything from it. I only think the first few episodes, the first few seasons were ever actually dubbed mm. and aired. But it was huge here, too. Like, we got all the toys and shit. So it's everywhere. I, I definitely grew up with, like, reruns of it. But then later, as the new show, the 2003 show, came out, I didn't watch it at the time. Because I was, I was in that teenage stage of, like, oh, it's not what I grew up with, therefore it's bad. Which I have completely abandoned since because it's bullcrap. <laughs> And then I got way big into Ninja Turtles again when I actually gave it a proper chance. And I started rewatching a bunch of stuff and being like, okay, I want to see what the other show's like. But um, if, if you watch my channel, if you watch Fiction Nation, you know that one of my big loves when it comes to cartoons, we might as well talk about this subgenre, was one of the ripoffs <laughs> of Ninja Turtles. Because that's, that's a freaking genre in and of itself. Yeah, there were a lot of clones. Right? There were a lot of There were a clones. lot of Ninja Turtles. You have like, a lot of uh, secret animal hero team. Like Street <laughs> street Sharks. Yes. Um, Cowboys of Moo Mesa. Cowboys of Moo Mesa. There was one that I watched. God, I'm trying to remember what it was. They the were like. I remember Street Sharks. Everyone seemed to love yeah. Street Sharks. It's bad. <laughs> there was Sorry like. <laughs> anthropomorphic dogs were in awesome. like power suits that's road rovers that was the uh that was the warner brothers guys the steven spielberg warner brothers guys making a superhero cartoon about dogs that's road rovers was that what it was look it up road rovers i'm absolutely certain that's what you mean because i remember I, one of the th- i have a uh a very solid memory as a kid of uh forcing everyone in my kindergarten class to play to play it with me <laughs> i'm pretty sure you mean road rovers yeah I my think this, I think um, that's what this is my turtles ripoff of choice back in the day was biker mice <laughs> i actually still have i actually still have a shelf full of biker mice toys biker um mice. because have you never seen biker mice that I, sounds I like I, you're making it up <laughs> I mean, I believe you, but like that's so good, <laughs> dude. It was the most metal cartoon you could possibly imagine. It's it's called Biker Mice from Mars, which in itself is amazing. Just right there in the title, right? Jesus, Christ. and it's just these three buff as shit mouse dudes riding hogs in Chicago and fighting against like basically alien Donald Trump. Like it's fucking amazing. Okay, I need to <laughs> see this. Mis- <laughs> it's the to- most macho. I need to go watch this. <laughs> Owen's just like you're so full of shit. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it's it's clearly very real. It's just <laughs> one of those things that like it sounds too good to be true. 
It is very, very much. I mean, it came very late in the era of of TMNT ripoffs. It's from like the mid to late nineties. Didn't you but, um, do a it, video? It's on one this? of the better ones. Yes, I did. Yeah, I was just saying because I'm, I'm, I'm fairly certain that I remember watching you talk about it. Throttle voiced by Rob Paulson. How can you not love a fucking big gray buff ass mouse with a robot arm that shoots missiles, riding a motorcycle that also shoots missiles, and he has an eye and patch? an eye patch because nineties. And one of the other is missing half his freaking face. <laughs> Dude, just watch it. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, That's... I need to take a look at this. This sounds incredible. <laughs> it, is. <laughs> it is actually genuinely a good 90s cartoon, by the way. It's not It's not just, oh, this is so dumb, it's cool. It's actually pretty good. I mean, it is executive produced by Uncle Stan. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> because Marvel had something to do with it. Oh, they released comics, tie-in comics, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Uh, Marvel Productions was one of the uh, uh, production companies that worked on it. It was executive produced by Stan Lee. Uh, oh, there you go. So there you go. It's got it's got Uncle, San, Uncle Stan's stamp of approval. So. Also, like, all the music is, is electric guitars, by the way. Like, it's, it's as macho as it gets. I mean, I feel Almost like, more macho than Street Sharks. <laughs> I feel like if you were doing a 90s cartoon, when you're doing the introduction, you, there are two ways that you can go with it. Mm. You can either be, like, weirdly techno, which is, like, your oh, Spider-Man yeah. and X-Men intros, or it has to be, like, the most just face-melting, ripping guitar solo that you yes. ever heard. So like, you know, biker mice and like it's not a cartoon, but Power Rangers obviously has plus, you know, like this very iconic. The nineties had this whole the nineties did have this whole extreme attitude where everything had to be edgy or scary or gross, you know? To so, a point. So a lot of the because it couldn't yeah, be point, it couldn't true. be too edgy. But it had to Well no, but everything we still had got attitude. shit like skeleton warriors. <laughs> okay. That's true. But like everything had to have a certain level of attitude. To mm-hmm. like that was that was the yeah. name of the game like when when sega was developing sonic the whole idea mm. was we're gonna have a mascot to beat mario how do we do that oh he has to have attitude give him attitude attitude that's how you do it power rangers comes on the scene what is what is that show described as it is a show about five teenagers with attitude Oh yeah, even, Alpha. Bring me five teenagers with attitude. Even though, if you actually like stop and think about the characters in Power Rangers for longer than about three seconds, you'll realize that none of them have attitude. Aren't they like the most milk toast white bread? They are the ever? most like like these are like they wind up these kids are the they are like a parent's wet dream because they are like the <laughs> perfect children like jason is teaching like an after school karate class for like underprivileged youth and like <laughs> like kimberly is like this like world class oh, gymnast and well, like, see, this is this is why everyone's favorite was tommy because he was the only like actual kind of rebel character amongst even the power though, rangers like even like once he joined the team and he became a main cast member he started like you know tutoring children <laughs> like, doing all this stuff well he he was the classic like like anti-hero like like good like, yeah he was like a villain who turned good but the whole like 90s cartoon attitude thing i think is perfectly encapsulated by the simpsons episode with uh poochie the dog from poochie and scratchy because like the the whole idea around his character was to like from the executives was like, Oh, we need a new character with all this attitude. Cause that's what the kids are into these days. And then uh-huh. it's like, where does that even come from? I have no idea. 
What, the character with attitude? Like, why added, like, quote unquote attitude was such an important thing for I don't fucking know, man. the executives who, who made these things. It was, it was just a societal thing because, like, also at that era, and like, Owen, you can speak to this because you are a wrestling fan. Like, that was also, that was the quote unquote attitude era. Like, you had, you know, all these wrestlers who like their whole main you gimmick could, is like i'm i'm a badass you could you could get detention from school for doing the doing the second motion from from dx <laughs> like that i mean it, you're, you're right that it was a societal thing it's, it's like music got angrier too yeah it's just that's just music what, and movies got angrier and darker so i'm sure that if we if we looked back we could probably find like the genesis of it and honestly it wouldn't surprise me if it was like something to do with music at the time because obviously you know at the in the 80s and stuff everything was kind of glam and everything was glitzy mm. and prim and proper and then you get into you get into the nineties and there's an element of, you know, grunge was big musically and metal was starting to take off a lot too. Yeah. It was, it, I don't know. People were just, you know, kind of fed up. I th- I think also maybe this might be reading a little bit too much into it, but I know that here in the United States in the nineties, we were coming out of kind of like the Reagan era of politics it was mm. starting to rub off. Some of that sheen was coming off and everyone was kind of realizing it was bullshit and so kids were very much feeling that. Some would argue that the Cold War gave the entire national identity is like, we are against the USSR. And then once they dissolved, there was all this energy that had nowhere to go. Hmm. Um, well, that's what some people would, would call it. But there's this probably, isn't a political maybe. podcast. And there's a lot of <laughs> things. Podcast, yeah. There's a lot of like things that probably factor into it. And if we if we were more educated, we'd probably be able to answer why. Um maybe if I sat down and read a book, someone would be able to answer it. But sorry, my education is solely in media. I'm not gonna <laughs> I mean I like to think that I'm a little bit more well-rounded in my education, but mm. let's be honest, it is 99% media is what I know. Mm. Um, so, you know, I'm not Owen over here reading about fucking, what's his face? Buchanan. Oh, Pat Buchanan. Buchanan? <laughs> that's, oh, that's a whole thing that we aren't going to talk about here. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, the, the 90s and attitude were like synonymous. Like everything had to have attitude. And that's why mm. that's why I think the X-Men probably took off in the way that they did is because like the 90s X-Men cartoon is probably like peak attitude. And I mean, yeah. Well, who was your favorite character from that series? I mean, everybody, what? everybody loved Gambit or Wolverine. Those are your two. Sure. I mean, they also really encapsulate the attitude thing you're talking about. Everyone's yeah. favorite was Gambit in my experience. But also when you think about it, X-Men from the start has always been about like counterculture, going against the grain, being different and everything. So they're they're perfect material for that attitude. Yeah. Whenever yeah, there's like a societal real. movement of like, we don't give a shit about the status quo anymore. The X-Men see a rise in popularity. <laughs> the, we, we don't give a shit about the status quo because we want to change it. We want to make it better. Yeah, exactly. You know, we want to we want to make way for the new wave of, yeah. of people. Well, that's, so it makes sense to me. It makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, that's why in the 90s, we also saw a lot more in the X-Men space. We were seeing like Generation X yeah. came around that show. Oh, yeah. All the new teams came around. All the yeah. uh, in the comic side. Yeah. You had X-Force popped up around that time mm. and Excalibur, uh, Excalibur, I think. Exiles. There was a lot the of X-Factor. 
I think. I think. There was, basically, if you could put X in its name somewhere, there was probably a, <laughs> a team in the comics that was crazy went with it. Um, and only of all of those, I think the only ones that are still around, X-Force is still around on occasion and uh, Exiles. Yeah, probably. I think, or at least were still around. I don't think they have a series anymore. Um, Exiles weirdly became like about multiverse hopping and like. Uh, that's the that's the run I have. Yeah, it became, it got weird. It's very and It weird, wasn't really about fun. mutants anymore after that, like because then Not like. Really. Like Spider Man twenty ninety nine was on the team. Yeah, it got weird. And it absolutely got weird. Like, yeah, it got weird. But <laughs> and there's there's another example of like nineties attitudes. Twenty ninety nine, like the entire run of twenty ninety nine was edgy oh. and dark and like I've never read any of it. So. Counterculture and like the perfect encapsulation of the entire tone of the twenty ninety nine series has to be the the one because the, the entire thing of the 2099 series is that they were all like future versions of characters. So you had like Punisher mm. 2099. You had uh, uh, obviously Spider-Man 2099. You had like Doom 2099 and all these sort of things. But there was one bespoke character who like had had a solo book and that's Ravager 2099. He was a, oh, an original fuck. character specifically created for that name alone tells you what the fuck kind of character this is. Ravager. I mean... Um, nothing is funnier to me than 90s superhero names in general you know he's he's got kind of longer unkempt hair he's kind of scruffy he's got he wears a trench coat like it's spikes and fangs everywhere yeah he he can like transform into animals it's fucking weird i didn't like ravager um (laughs) i love all the 2099 comics except for ravager i'm i'm not here for it uh but (laughs) like the 90s were just a, a weird time well, they were of, uh, of super duper long YouTube videos. If you've ever watched some more news, the movie, which is just really yeah, great. I highly like recommend four it. Four hours long. It's not quite that long. It's more like two hours. No, but the entire premise, like the thesis of that video is that a lot of the media that we grew up with, including cartoons, but not exclusively cartoons have sort of primed our generation for a, sort of bleak future. Mm. And if we think about one of the cartoons, we're probably all really familiar with uh, the land before time. I was oh, going to yeah. bring this if up. You think about the land before time. Okay. We're following these characters who are for sure doomed. And then the lead character's mother like immediately dies and they're traversing through this horrific wasteland. And even if they succeed in their mission, they're still going to die because they're dinosaurs. And we know how that story turns out. <laughs> Yeah, true. Among other examples of, um, you know, if you're thinking about the 2099 storylines, like, I don't know that much about them, but I assume the future is, you know, a little more technologically advanced, a little bleaker. You have your Ravager character who's, like, not um, a typical type yeah. of character that we've seen in the past. And isn't, isn't 2099 think, generally just, like, a corporate hellscape? Yeah. The, the, yeah, it's, the, like, an interesting idea. 99% of the nine of the 2099 comics the main like antagonist that everyone is fighting against is a mega corporation Alchemax. yeah that's what i thought like that's, that's the whole thought. like big thing is they're fighting against alchemax and but anyway go on Owen. <laughs> so it's like you know capitalist hellscape so much of what we watched 
you know, I feel like has kind of prepared us mentally for where we are now, if you think about it. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. that, I don't know. I haven't watched many modern cartoons and other media sort of geared toward children. I wonder what it looks what it looks like now in there's terms a, of its vision of the future. It's gotten more ambitious in terms of subjects they're going to more directly address. Absolutely. Um, it, they still have... They still have to package it in fantasy terms, of course, but they, they've gotten a lot more ambitious with what subjects they expect kids to, to pay attention to, um, which, you know, is a double-edged sword because that requires continuity, but now we have streaming culture and people's attention spans are way lower. So there's a little bit of a schism there. Yeah. But, um, but it has gotten more like that. It's also a little more hopeful in general. Yeah, And there's, a, there's an element of absurdity to modern oh, yeah. cartoons that I think... Are- I mean, okay, okay. Don't sit there and pretend the 90s cartoons weren't oh, no. absurd. They we were, all watch, they were we absurd. all watch Cow and Chicken, man. <laughs> they were absurd in, like, different ways. But, I mean, like, like you look at, you know, a show like Adventure Time, where, like, the humor oh, yeah. of Adventure Time almost comes from just how random it is at, at times. At least in the early seasons, yeah. Uh, like, I, I noticed that there was, like, almost an uptick in that... After about the, you know, when, when we got into the 2010s a yes. little bit, there was a lot more of like absurdist humor, which we're seeing yes, a and, lot of um, Gen Z kind of has things got a lot more, things got a lot more colorful too, yeah. a lot more explosively colorful and a lot more wiggly. Oh yeah. <laughs> like it's, it was like, there was a trend like once like adventure time, regular show like that, that kind of era, mm. it seemed like, uh, elbows and knees disappeared from cartoon characters pretty much because all of their arms and legs just became spaghetti uh pretty much and we're we're still seeing that today i mean look at a rick and morty character and tell me where the fuck his elbow Mm. is um there was just a there was just a stretch towards um simplified character design in exchange for actual animation quality yeah, because as, I see you out there pining for the He-Man cartoons. No, you don't. As a, <laughs> as don't a child the of the... They might move an arm every five minutes. As a child of the 90s, I look at modern character design, and I the only thing that I think to myself is, not enough pouches. Oh, yeah. There's not enough pouches on anybody. Because if you look at characters True. in the 90s, they had pouches all over the fucking place. Pouches Nobody's wearing bandanas anymore. <laughs> I blame I blame Rob, Ry- Rob Liefeld almost like exclusively <laughs> for that. Um, we all play it wrong because like everything had belts and pouches and unnecessary storage i think that's why i love cargo pants is because i grew up in the mm. 90s and i think that i need to be able to carry the literal fucking universe on my body at all times um we're actually um we're actually kind of skipping a whole other brand of cartoon from the 90s we talked a lot about very story driven and action driven ones um but what about the funny ones? What about the ones that are just plain hilarious, plain comedy cartoons? Because we have all the stuff we watched in Cartoon Network in the 90s, right? Yeah, I mean, to a certain stuff degree. Like Dexter, Bravo, Johnny Bravo. What? To a certain degree. I didn't watch a lot of that growing up until I was a little bit older. But, Fair enough. Uh, yeah, Dexter's. I'm just saying that was a huge thing, too. Dexter's Laboratory was was one that I definitely did put some time in with. I watched some Johnny mm. Bravo. Um mm. Johnny Bravo was great. Johnny Bravo is one of those shows that it was great when I was a kid, but watching it as an adult, it makes me want to run away um, <laughs> because it's just That's so, so ridiculously inappropriate for like any oh, yeah. age group. There's no age group that is like proper for Johnny Bravo. <laughs> it's just kind of fucked up. Um, it's like it's like Johnny Bravo shouldn't be allowed on television, like like Bender was yeah. wasn't allowed on television. Mm. 
there's also well, that was kind of the point of the show so yeah there was also uh you know you got to talk about your sort of animated sitcoms is also oh, yeah. was big in the 90s started in the 80s but went into the 90s a lot so you had like the simpsons which i know is a big one for owen mm. um oh yeah king I of mean, the hill i, I could king talk the about the simpsons great. forever we we I need to have king of the hill to a lesser extent we do need to have an episode owen that is just that is just a simpsons episode uh maybe we'll <laughs> maybe we'll get your sister in on it <laughs> oh yeah it'd be fun yeah uh but yeah because there was a lot of a lot of those you know as i said the simpsons king Mm. of the hill um beavis and butthead to a certain degree i would almost classify as a cartoon sitcom i mean it kind of is um aside from whenever they riff on music videos which is the best part yeah (laughs) and is the reason (laughs) why it was on mtv uh yeah but then you also you also had your your kind of proto cartoon network stuff at the time you know you had proto cars network so you had like you mean adult swim proto i mean like i mean like early cartoon network so like oh, oh, okay. like rug rats wild thornberries well that's that's nickelodeon okay yeah you're right <laughs> sorry but my brain like dude i mix all of those up so much because to me it was just like a place where there's cartoons I totally get it, man. I'm just <laughs> was, I'm, uh, I'm here to I'm here to be the anal guy. All right, I'm gonna, you are the you are I was the expecting you expert. to like mention mention like Daria as like a pre Adult that. Swim types type, type series. There was yeah. that. I mean, Adult Swim. They didn't come around. I think they were early 2000, but there was definitely stuff that was like paving the way for what they would eventually do. Mm. Um. Because like I think Robot Chicken started, I want to say like two thousand three. Sounds about right. I think is when that started. Um, but there was a lot. Two thousand five. Okay, close enough. <laughs> and I think that Adult Swim started roughly when Robot Chicken did. I think I wouldn't know. Adult Swim was never really a thing here. Um, so the adult cartoons wouldn't show up on Cartoon Network necessarily. They'd show up all sorts of random places if we got them at all. Mm. So there's that. But the the point is, is that there was there's a lot of like animation. There's a lot of different ways that you could go with it, and a lot of different. Oh, sure. To get into. Um, I do. And I could talk a lot more about. Them. Yeah, I on. do want to touch upon one thing, Owen, that you mentioned because you mentioned Land Before Time, and I have a theory about Land Before Time that I have I've said this for a few years now, and I stick by it because I believe that it is accurate. I blame Land Before Time for that surge in the two thousands of emo and scene culture. <laughs> <laughs> I believe everyone that, was just so depressed after watching the yeah, land before time. Because if you watch the land before time, dude, everyone was depressed in it. <laughs> you watch land before time. And if you watch land before time and you don't want to cut yourself after you finish it, then you would, were not paying attention. Cause that is a it is. dark bleak fucking movie. Even the ending, they get to the, they get to the Valley. They reunite with their family still has like that, that little like, there's still that little feeling of like yeah but shit sucks 
still as you mentioned I'm it, pretty Owen, sure you know how this story ends ultimately i'm pretty sure there's a shot where littlefoot like hopefully look like looks around expectantly as if hoping to see his mom there yeah like it's and still... then he like realizes oh no wait she died like half a year ago and there's and <laughs> tragic stuff uh, like i feel like that was just don bluth's whole thing like don bluth it was made some fantastic works of art quite frankly mm. but like all of his films were just like horribly depressing <laughs> well he straight up admitted that yeah. he he's quoted as straight up saying that kids can and should be able to handle just about anything as long as there's some semblance of a happy ending so he very deliberately made his movies to just put these characters through fucking hell yeah i mean as long as things largely turned out okay by the end like secret of nim is fucked oh, up yeah. that is oh, dogs be all, all dogs go to heaven is fucked up they're all fucked up yeah it's crazy. Well, and, even a lot and of the classic all, Disney stuff is kind of messed up when you when you break it down. Yeah, but it's messed, what, 90, yeah. it's messed up because like you know, like there's like child death and shit, and like nobody has moms. <laughs> At least the Land Before Time didn't murder Petrie. You oh, thought God. he died, but he survived. <laughs> oh boy! Or like if Ducky <laughs> yeah. had if Ducky had died during that well uh ask her voice actor uh, i wasn't gonna go there but since you <laughs> yeah, did, exactly yes Sorry. <laughs> uh judith barcy did damn she was murdered that is such a tragedy. uh yep at the age of like 10 uh, sorry just bringing the mood to an all-time <laughs> rock bottom low here <laughs> Jesus yeah let's just let's just end the show talking about child murder let's you know uh, nah, nothing nothing not. like a double murder uh suicide to end oh the you show don't want on. me to you don't want me to talk about fucking uh, grisly tales for gruesome kids. <laughs> Actually, I do. Hit me with it. Okay, so this was a British cartoon. And uh, I, I quote this as the proof that the British hate children. <laughs> so so this was apparently based on some children's books. And they were supposed to be like cautionary tales uh, for, for kids. Like, don't misbehave or scary things will happen to you. Basically, tales from the crypt for children. And they had these incredibly crude drawings. And there was a cartoon based on it that I watched. When I was probably a little too old for it, and I'm like, okay, this is extremely primitively animated. It's it's deliberately drawn to look childish. The ideas are weird. It's all told by one narrator as if you're being read a bedtime story. And still I was sitting there like, some of this is like actually scary. Because like I said, it was basically stories about kids who did something bad and got punished for it. The The punishments were very disproportionate to the crimes. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Like, there's a story about a kid who begs his parents for candy too much. So the candy store owner lures him in, dips him in a bowl, in a giant vat of molten sugar, and just displays him in the window. And the episode, like, ends with his mom walking by the window, looking at him, not recognizing him, and just leaving. <laughs> there was There was a lot of that back in the it day. Because, crazy. like... If if you didn't say that was British, I would have thought it was German. That sounds very German to me. It's insane. This isn't even the worst one. Like, they, they get worse. There's the kid who interrupts too much, and he interrupts, like, a ventriloquist uh, dude. So the ventriloquist strips his flesh, replaces it with wood, and turns him into a ventriloquist puppet. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, my God. <laughs> this is for kids, by the way. And, and it, this, the weird thing is that it was drawn so crudely and childishly that you wouldn't think it would actually be this screwed up, but it is. What this is this called again? Grizzly Tales for Gruesome Kids. God The most damn. awesome thing about it was the opening. Uh, the opening was, was stop motion. It was this kid going to an old decrepit theater. So kind of like the Crypt Keeper, they had this uh, 
this um, projectionist guy. Uncle, I think his name was Uncle Deadly or something like that. Just this hunchback dude that would put on the movie and then you'd watch the cartoon. It was fucked up, man. And these are just two examples. There are many more that get way, way insane. Because like we had like we had like horror shows for kids, like mm. Goosebumps and Are You Afraid of the Dark sure. and like things like that. Like that got kind of fucked up sometimes, but like nothing like that. Wow. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I mean, Grizzly Tales for Gruesome Kids, man, it looks child, more childish than it actually is. I think it's supposed to be a bit of a joke because, like I said, the actual punishments for the crimes are so much worse than what the kids actually do. They're just being punished for being kids, basically. Grizzly it's it's fucking insane. This was, a, this was a kids book series. Yes. Oh, God. It started yeah, that, that way. The, the, like, projectionist guy... Yeah, alone is horrifying. Just look at it, man. <laughs> it's terrible. Uncle Grizzly is his name. The show is available on Amazon Prime if you really want to. Watch Dude, it. if some if you want to watch kids die just in the most horrifying way, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you sick fuck. You want to watch kids die? <laughs> it's crazy, man. Like, uh, I, I mean, the, there's a very infamous episode about it. Oh God. There's, it's it's kind of like a parody of a certain type of adventure book. You know, the happy children go on an adventure style books where yeah. nothing bad ever happens. It's called The Chipper Chumps Go Scrumping, which is a fantastic title for a story, by the way. So it's like just these kids, perfectly idyllic kids, you know, pure Dover boy style. And they decide to steal apples from a guy. And of course he gets mad. So he announces his arrival by shooting their dog. The double barrel shotgun. And the kids are like, hey, man, you didn't need to do that. I, like, like, we're sorry we ate your apples, but that's kind of fucked up. And he's just like, oh, you guys owe me some apples. And then it just cuts to him pressing cider out of them. Oh. <laughs> some human cider. That sounds great. Uh, are we sure this was a show that was, like, meant to be oh, taken God. seriously? <laughs> it's insane, man. It's like, it, that's like... <sighs> It's like happy tree friends levels of like fucked up. It is. It's super insane. I mean, it's it's almost impossible to watch it with a straight face as an adult now. But at the time, I, I found myself like, again, I was probably too old to be watching it to begin with. But I was still like, I, I, I can feel that this is going to sit in me for a couple of days. <laughs> Just completely nuts, man. What the fuck? <laughs> okay. Does anybody have any other any other things that they feel like they have to bring up? Uh, yeah, can you top this one? Before oh, I definitely, I definitely can't top it. Um, I do think we'd be remiss to not like kind of touch on the appeal of of the medium of animation. We mentioned The Simpsons mm. a little bit earlier, and I've listened to pretty much every single commentary track from seasons one through ten. And that one of the things true. they bring up all the time is the notion of a <clears throat> of a flexible reality. Because right. it's very much a sitcom grounded in in real life situations and real life like physics, but because it's animated, they're able to just like, you know, have Homer's head be crushed by a bridge and have him not die because that's how cartoons work. And especially, I think for 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 kids, like having higher concept premises like like uh burly mice from Mars who 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 fight crime on on <laughs> on motorcycles like 
you're not going to make that show with real actors. And I think that is, uh, I mean, you could, you, you could, but animation just give you so much, so much more freedom. And I think that's, yeah. um, one of its enduring appeals. Absolutely. Cause like, even if you don't do fantasy shows and you do sitcoms and you know, there were a lot of cartoons in the nineties that were also just like the loser kid in school and their misadventures like with their Doug. friends and their classmates. And it's yeah, Doug, uh, Pepper Ann, all that stuff. Recess. Um, Recess. Even, even those were usually, they usually filtered it through some level of, of fantasy, right? Cause you would see it from a kid's perspective and a kid's view of reality is warped. It's, it's, Everything's a little bigger. Everything's a little more colorful when you're a kid. So there is definitely an appeal to that. A little askew. Like there wasn't a lot of straight lines and things of that nature. Well, yeah, I'm just saying that like animation definitely has appeal because it can tell stories in big, sometimes in bigger ways. Yeah. Or at least in more expressive ways than live action ever can. So so definitely that's why it has a lot of appeal, I would say. (sighs) Definitely some crazy stuff. For for producers too, because they don't have to have to do mouse makeup for these like have to cast now i want to see a live a motorcycle i want to see a live action biker mice from mars oh god it would look exactly like it. It. <laughs> they would make it look like exactly like the babe the babe turtles movies <laughs> just terrible just uh no oh, just, just do it live action like full full rat suits not cgi <laughs> Uh, and let's have them, let's reboot, or at least, like, maybe not reboot, let's resurrect the live-action Turtles movies from the 90s, and let's have the Biker Mice from Mars hang out with the 90s live-action Turtles. I don't think you realize how happy you just made a lot of people. <laughs> that, like, that is, that is, uh, dream set, d- dream movie. Let's make it happen. Start a, for a lot of people. Yes. Let's start a change.org petition. Cause those all, Hell those yeah. like historically have been shown to work every single time. Uh, absolutely. So yeah, let's get on that. But, uh, as we wrap things up, there are only a few things that I got to know. And first and foremost is Ash. Where can people find you on the internet? People can find me on YouTube. You've already mentioned it, Fiction Addiction. I make sort of deep dive, mostly for fun videos about various forms of media, video games, cartoons, movies, whatever I find interesting at the time, comic books. Um, I'm on Twitter, Ash underscore Figaddict. You can find me there for as long as that freaking site survives by now. Um, you can see my art on Instagram, also Ash underscore Figaddict. And uh, that's, that's, I think that's it. I think that's what I want to plug for now. You can also I'm going to plug one for you because I'm going to plug oh. I'm going to plug the favorite my favorite thing that you do uh which is aesthetics aesthetics Oh yeah I started aesthetics? on I started an art channel Yes that's aesthetics yes that's true I did start an art channel with a weird to spell name so thank you algorithm I'm going to be <laughs> fucked <laughs> But yeah I, I started a channel where I draw and I give myself art design uh, character design challenges which I need to make a new video on that soon. Yeah I was wondering where that is at TikTok boy come It's on. it's Look, look, man! That, I just there's a content edge. I got I got myself burned out in October. Okay, <laughs> uh, I needed the break. Speaking of, where's the content? Where's the content, Owen? It's uh, it's sitting in in, in a in a Premiere Pro project file. Is where the content oh, is. God. Uh, I um, think that, yeah. I think that you've talked about making YouTube videos since our last podcast. Oh yeah, like, no, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, that's um. I'm a piece of shit who spends most of his free time playing Civ Six on increasingly higher difficulties instead of, you know, actually doing work. So I mean, Civ Six um, is 
You know, you do need to have. Just, some... I should just become a Civ Six streamer now. I'm kind of yeah, surprised sure. that you haven't started streaming it. To be honest, like that is like the 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 smallest leap that you could make in terms of content creation is just doing <laughs> the thing that you're already doing for an audience. And you know, it's also so niche. You absolutely could find an audience doing it. Oh, 100. percent Surprise! Surprisingly robust uh, Civ Six um, content creation. I've I've discovered. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I would imagine you're trying to like grow in your skill level, but oh, and where can people find you on the internet if you are going to like presumably do some Civ Six content creation? Where can they find you? <laughs> um, TBD. If you're looking for a mattress, just Google it and you'll find my stupid face talking about it. That's um, not a joke. If you look up a mattress, odds are the top video is going to be him. Yeah, that's oh, that's for real. I'm I'm the, I'm the, I'm the internet's He's mattress the king, king of mattress reviews. It's so bizarre. Awesome. That is that. the weirdest. That is the weirdest title that you could possibly put. <laughs> the mattress king. Oh man! But anyways, where else? Um, you can find my Instagram and see me post pictures of people I take photos of. That is uh, Owen Scott underscore P. Correct. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Jump over there, there check that out. He doesn't use Twitter, but he's also on there as well. Uh, same thing, I think. Uh, I'm also across the interwebs. You can find me on Collider Dailies uh, every day during the week at 10 a.m. Pacific. I'm not on every day, but the show is on every day. Uh, you can also find me over on Twitter. I'm not calling it X. Uh, at Bender Waffles, B-E-N-D-E-R-W-A-F-F-L-E-S. I am on Instagram, but I never post. Don't even bother looking over there. Uh, and then, of course, I'm here on on this lovely podcast. So just, you know, check all that shit out. Uh, next week, we are going to be, I believe we are talking about Quake the series quake Ooh. um so be sure to tune in for that we will also have a guest for that so jump on for that Speaking uh in events man playing quake one playing when i was quake. like six years old yeah trust me man i don't think i've ever played any quake <laughs> well you're not really like a shooter guy nope by the way it, it's uh it's half-life's 25th anniversary are you gonna ever play those ash <sighs> You did you did give them to me at one point, so yeah. I probably should, shouldn't I? Yeah. God damn it. Right, I'll get on it eventually. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> you don't sound convinced. Yeah, because you're not <laughs> going to. You're going to go play like some indie horror game or you're going to play like fucking, I don't know, some Dragon Quest. Yeah, it's a fucking <laughs> Dragon Quest game or something. And I'm going to be sitting there going, where's, the where's that Half-Life playthrough? All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Christ. fucking do it yeah th- th- this is what i need i need you to badger me for for content every time we talk that might well, actually man, get me off i'll badger ass, you to videos. make content and i'll badger ash to play half-life that's all right fine deal, deal. yeah i didn't come in here to get peer pressured Jeez. <laughs> it's me isn't 90 percent of what of our conversations me peer pressuring you into doing stuff more or less yeah honestly i told you once uh, i told you once I've said it once. I'll say it a million times. I will drag you to success kicking and screaming. I don't care sure. what I have to do. I don't care how much you <laughs> fight me on it. I'm going to I'm gonna make you successful. Uh, but anyways, Ash, thank you very much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, and yeah, you guys can catch us next time. Uh, until then, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week, day, whatever 
whatever time you're listening.